0: 49 of the podcast to be named later. I am Chris Willis and I am joined tonight by my good friend, Stephen Talbert. Stephen, it's been a while since you and I were on on here together. I hope you're doing well. Uh, It's good to be back with you.
1: What's up, Chris? Yeah, buddy, it's been a minute. Um, We had the all star break and then Sean and I did the last one. And so it's been probably two, three weeks. Since you and I have been on together, but yeah, it's it's great to be on with you, man. It's been a weird stretch of baseball for the Braves. I wouldn't say it's been a good stretch. Um, it definitely went better today, but yeah, we're going to get into all of it. There's plenty to talk about, but it's great to be on with you, man.
0: Yeah, it's always good to uh, get back on here after a, a win, uh, you know, because things were looking dark there, which is we'll talk about in just a minute. But, yeah, I mean, four-game losing streak coming into uh, Sunday's game, two losses against the White Sox, two losses against the Diamondbacks, uh, two straight series losses, um, you know, it just seems like after we had that June, you know, you kind of get used to this idea of thinking that, hey, they're never going to lose again, you know, and uh, and then it, it kind of, you know, it kind of slaps you back in the face a little bit because baseball's weird and this is the way it works and you're just not going to go out and win every single day. But, you know, this series against the Diamondbacks was, <clears throat> was a little crazy. Uh, had that ridiculous game in the opener on Monday uh, or Tuesday, actually. Uh, yeah, so – you know lost 16 to 13 i mean normally when this team scores 13 runs you know they're on the on the good side of things so it was weird to see that but uh you know it was good to see them get a win uh today today on thursday uh and coming back coming from behind because that looked, that looked bleak there for a little bit there so you know well, what would you what are what's your big takeaway from the series
1: well yeah the run prevention has kind of taken a, a vacation um you know the, between the pitching And the defense, the defense needs to be included in that because the defense was pretty god-awful for most of the series and most of the homestand, really, even against the White Sox, it wasn't great. So the run prevention, the Braves gave up 27 runs in this series in three games. So, you know, I'm not great at math, but I I can tell you that's nine a game. And normally when you give up nine runs a game, you don't win. And so, you know, just taking one of these three was probably pretty impressive just – how many runs they gave up, and and how bad they played on defense, and the offense still, you know, the offense just keeps on crushing baseballs. I mean, they they scored enough runs to to sweep this series, uh, they definitely scored enough runs to to win the series at least. But yeah, the Braves need the pitching to to find it again. We've talked about it so many times, and I, you know, we talked about Bryce Elder. There was going to be Bryce Elder regression. We talked about some of the other guys that were pitching Allard. You know, how we didn't know how long he was going to continue. You look at some of the names in the bullpen that are being used right now, and some of the guys who are on the IL. It's not terribly surprising that the pitching is going through this the stretch that it's going through, just because the Braves. I mean, you add in Minter and Chavez and and Max and uh, Kyle Wright and Dylan Lee, and you know you're talking about like five or six of the the Braves' ten best pitchers, you know, total. So. Um, it's not surprising, but it's definitely the biggest issue right now is run prevention. And, um, yeah, it 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 came up in the last game in the Tampa series. It came up in the White Sox series. It came up in this series. So, you know, the Braves are definitely – you know, they haven't really paid for it much since Max and Kyle went out, especially really as much as you think they would when you, you know, you sort of look at the names they've been using for the past six, seven weeks. Um they haven't really paid for it much and it felt like everything kind of regressed at once in this homestand and they kind of everything that we thought might happen over this you know this long period with these guys out it kind of happened in the last six or seven games so yeah it's just run prevention that's kind of the name of the game right now for the Braves and um and yeah they paid for it in these last two series.
0: I don't know. The reaction online was over the top. I mean, obviously, you know, you drop four four straight games. Nobody's happy about that. But you know, there's no panic here yet because I think it can be explained. And you just did a pretty good job of it. The defense is, you know, that's inexcusable. You know, you got to play solid defense if you're going to be in this position. And we've seen this team play that. Um, you know, I thought nobody credited the Diamondbacks. I mean, to me, Arizona came into this series and really, really tried to make a statement. And, uh, you know, I thought they were successful. They had a lot of bleeding, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, flare hits that turned into doubles. You know, they took advantage. If the Braves kicked the ball, you know, they got a lot of speed, uh, really put the pressure on them. I don't think anybody hit the ball hard other than Christian Walker. And, um, you know, so, I mean, it's just, you know, I thought Brian Snicker said it best. I mean, basically they had a June that went, everything went right. Right. and you know he said he said I know he said this Saturday and I mean he said it's you know th- that's not going to happen over the course of a 162 game season I mean things are going to go haywire and then you know again I mean I was sitting there in that 1613 game you know and every time you tweet a you tweet that a certain reliever's coming in you know the reaction on twitter's you know off the charts and then it's like but who else were you going to put in because everybody's hurt and that's yep. kind of you know, that's kind of where you're at. And, uh, you know, you don't like to see Glacius go out there and get hit around. You don't like to see Glacius today walk a guy and give up a single. Um, you know, you'd like to see him get shored up. But, you know, I don't think there's, there's just no reason to panic because teams where they're at, and this is not going to be the roster they go into the postseason with. You know, I mean, if this was happening last week of September, everybody's hurt. This is what we're looking like. Uh, you know, it's going in the postseason. Sure, panic away. But, you know, right now, they're expected to get everybody back. You're going to have, um, you know, blips in the road. I mean, there's going to be, you know, you, there's just, that. it's just the way baseball is. You're going to have those days where you can't score, you don't pitch. We're seeing a little bit of regression. This team's still probably the best, best team in the National League and maybe the best team in Major League Baseball, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, it's just, it's just part of the process. But I thought this stat was telling. The Braves haven't lost five games in a row since September of 2017. And I had to check that. I mean, but that is a ridiculous stat to me because, you know, they've had some tough weeks. but They haven't lost five games in a row since September 2017. And inc- incidentally, they've went to the playoffs every season after 2017, uh, won the division every every year after that. So I thought that was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when you're playing poorly and the Braves have been playing poorly for about a week, it's not breaking news, but you know, it's still, you still have to kind of keep perspective on what else is happening around the league, especially in your division, because that really kind of ties into how, how much or how little you're going to pay for this poor play. And I tweeted this out, but like the Braves, because the Marlins have Marlins haven't won a game since the All Star break. So the Braves went one in five, and before today's game, they were one in five in their last six, and they'd actually gained ground on Miami because Miami went zero and six in those six games, and so the Braves playoff odds have barely moved at all, even even losing four in a row, and their division lead actually increased even losing four in a row. So you know, it's. You do have to keep perspective. Every team is going to go through it. I think Brian was a hundred percent correct that if if you think June is the like the new baseline for this team, then you're crazy. Like that's no team. The Braves won like eighty five percent of their games in June. Like that, that's bananas. Like no no team in history is going to do that. Like, baseball will not allow that. Like that, the baseball gods will 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 smite that down. Like that, you're just never going to have that happen. So. Yeah, you got to be willing to lose a couple of series. You know, these are the first two series the Braves have lost since the Oakland series back in May. And, you know, which is bananas in itself. And yeah, I, I, I agree that the reaction was was strong. It was too strong online. But, you know, that's that's Twitter. Um, but yeah, the the fact that the team's got the biggest division lead it's had all year right now even coming out of this stretch is hysterical. And I, I I wish people would keep it in perspective a little bit more because this team is still like 99% chance likely to win the division. So it's it, it'll be okay. The win today definitely helped calm the seas a little bit. But yeah, it got a little it got a little hairy this week, especially online.
0: Yeah, I do want to address one other thing that I heard way too much over this weekend. This thought that the Braves don't beat good teams. They only beat up on bad teams. Going back to June, uh, let's just look at this. They beat the Diamondbacks in Arizona two out of three. They uh, went into Philadelphia. Philadelphia had the exact same record they did over their last 15 games rolling in there, took two straight from them. One of those games was rained out. Rolled into Cincinnati. Cincinnati was the hottest team in Major League Baseball at the time. Two out of three there and should have won the opener. That was the game they lost 10 to 11 after they had the big lead. Scored what five runs in the first inning? Miami was supposed to mount a charge, you know, be the test for Atlanta. Atlanta came, they came to Atlanta at, and the Braves curb stomped them three straight, you know. So then it closed out the break. You close out the break with a, a series win in Tampa Bay. You know, don't tell me this team doesn't beat good teams because they've they've proven it. And you can even go back to May when they were fourteen and twelve, and that schedule was packed with teams that were playing well. The only series in that that you can go back and look at from May that that um, basically stunk was the Toronto series, and that and you and I have talked about it at length. And that was just a that was just one of those crazy weekends you know that uh they're losing it was the defense too i mean it's kind of like what we saw this weekend in a lot of ways because yeah. remember they were losing balls in the sun i mean it was just it was just everything that could go wrong went wrong yeah. and uh you know so i mean it's just they, baseball it's gonna happen
1: they took series i remember i mean they took a two a three game series from baltimore who's probably the second or third best team in the american league they took a series from Seattle. The they, took, they took a series from Texas in Texas. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's, I think they have one of the best records of baseball against teams above 500. Right.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, yes, there is, you know, there is a series loss in Oakland, and that's all anybody remembers from May, apparently. You know, they, they split a four game series in Philadelphia, they lost a series to the Dodgers. You know, but they're all good teams. You know, you, you took two out of three from Baltimore, who's on the cusp of of passing Tampa Bay right now. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that, that argument just doesn't fly. But there was one big takeaway from this weekend that I really wanted to talk about, because if you go up and down this lineup, we've talked about how scary it is, but there's only really one guy that hasn't had a prolonged hot streak yet, and that was Austin Riley. I mean, he wasn't having a bad year Um By any stretch of the uh, imagination, but I would say it was a, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't exceptional either. But he went out, had four home runs in the three game series, had a drove in seven, career high seven RBIs in their opener, had that huge three run home run today that put him back ahead. You know, this lineup gets even scarier if this guy gets on, if Riley gets on one of his streaks. Um, you know, it's just even going to take this, it's going to take this lineup into a, another, uh, yet to another level.
1: Yeah. We got to figure out what's going on in July, right? Like July, for some reason, Austin Riley is like, you know, he's like an Avenger in July. And I don't know what's, I don't know why he did this last year where he just went absolutely. This is, this, I mean, honestly, last month or last year during July, you could argue is, is what got him the extension that he got because it happened literally right after that. And so, and since that extension, it's been, you know, it's been definitely not concerning, but it's been, I would say the first 11 months of that extension offensively have probably been a little less than what the Braves were hoping for when he signed it. Um, And I think Austin would admit that too. He's talked about it, that he's kind of been going through it all year and, He's talked about mechanical things that he's been working on. He's talked about mental things, about just clearing his head and trying to have fun again and keep it simple. And and it's it certainly seemed to be working in this series. He had four homers and a triple, I think, in this series, um, plus a bunch more singles and doubles and walks. And he was everywhere. He was the best hitter in the series for the Braves. And, um, you know, Olsen continues to crush too. But yeah, having these two guys, you know, when Olsen and Riley are hitting, everyone knows about Acuna and Murphy's been kind of a godsend this year. But. You know, because Olsen and Riley sit in the middle of that lineup. They sit three and four almost every night, or really every night. When those two guys are hitting, it's a whole different ball. Like, there really is no rest because it's just that lineup gets turned over so many times. And it's just like that. The top of the order is up again. And when those two guys are right and dangerous and a threat, then it's, it, it's brutal. And we've seen it at times this year where they've gotten going at the same time. And it, it really is fun to watch. And it was, it was cool to see him in this series, both really hit well and, and hit do damage, hit balls over the fence. And yeah, it, it does. It takes this lineup. I mean, it's hard to believe as good as this lineup has been, but you know, if Riley finds his level again, then it takes it to another. I mean, it's an, it's a whole nother version of this offense that we haven't seen yet. So I'm excited for it. I hope it happens. I'm rooting for him. He seems like he really cares. He, you know, he, he seems like a guy that he wears it hard, you know, when he's not, playing the way he wants to, you can kind of tell in his face, it it really affects him. So I'm rooting for him. I hope he, I hope this kind of is the beginning of a, a whole new season for him and it would be massive for the Braves. It really would.
0: No doubt. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets back and you're right. I mean, he said after one of the, uh, after, uh, after the game, I believe it was Monday after Monday's game, he said, you know, he's, he just came in the series and was focused on going back out there and having fun, just tried to clear his head. And, uh, you know, it, 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 worked because I think, you know, everybody sees, you know, he's had a tough year of runners in scoring position. And I mean, you know, he, he admitted to it, you know, he's been pressing and trying to help to t- do anything to help the team win, you know? And I mean, it's just hard. It's hard when you, when you get a, get an ugly number up there, like I believe he's sitting under, under 200, you know, with runners, you know, in scoring position and, and you know it just puts a lot of pressure on you, and it's hard to hit like that. So, you know, hopefully he gets going here because, uh, yeah, like I say, he he gets he can get so hot at times. You know, he can carry a whole roster, and uh, you don't really have to have that with this with this group. But it, it will be interesting to see how the rest of the month uh, you know progresses. Uh, the other bit of news from this series: uh, Travis Darno agreed to what's well, essentially a one year extension. It's kind of the same thing they do they've done with Charlie Morton. Uh, but basically, now he's gonna his twenty. He had a not club option for 2024 to begin with. Now his 2024 salary is guaranteed at eight million, and he's got a, a eight million dollar option for uh, 2025. So, you know, keep him around. I know. I hadn't really thought about this too much. I, I know I've seen it in passing on Twitter. Apparently it was out there because uh, Alex even referenced it, but he said, you know, you can stop talking trade scenarios because Travis Darno not going anywhere. Um, you know, they, they love the guy. They, you know, they want to keep him. He pointed out, you know, they paid him the same on this extension, even though his role has changed now that Sean Murphy's here. Uh, but, you know, I agree. I, I, I believe, in my art, this is the best catching situation in the majors. I think the Braves have the best tandem and, you know, I think it's going to be huge down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about trade scenarios at all. I mean, teams don't typically trade away players when they're trying to win a world series. So it's, I think, I think Alex was maybe referencing something specific there. Cause I, I haven't seen that much at all, but I, you know, I think Travis is a starting level catcher. Like I think Travis, if he was on a different team and starting a majority of the games, he would be, you know, a top, I don't know about top 10, but maybe like top 15 catcher in the league. Like, I think he's in the upper half of catchers in baseball if he was the starter. And so the fact that the Braves have him as a backup and have a and and have him for $8 million. Like, I don't know if people understand, but $8 million is nothing like that is that is less, that's like a replacement level player salary. And you have one of, you know, catcher is a very difficult place to find production and the Braves have two guys. And, you know, I, 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 I put this in our slack when the deal happened. I don't know how they keep getting Travis to sign these $8 million contracts because I think he's worth more than that. He's had injury history. Of course, he's had the concussion stuff and he's getting older now. So he, you know, uh, more of a, a part-time role might appeal to him. I guess maybe that's what it is. But he could make. I mean, let let, let me put it this way: If Travis Darnold was a free agent right now and he was on the open market, he would he would sign for a lot more than eight million dollars. Um, obviously, he's not a free agent. They had a they had a club option again uh, on him for twenty twenty-four. So that was part of the calculus to this. But this is a tremendous deal. I mean, it's a tremendous value. Like eight million dollars is a steal for a guy like Travis to be able to rest Murphy. And still have a really, really quality catcher, um, not only behind the plate, but, you know, in the batter's box, he's still a threat with the bat. He can still crush balls. We've seen that time and time again this year. So no-brainer. If he says yes, then it's a no-brainer because that is tremendous value. Tra- Travis will exceed that contract, even as a part-time player. Um, you know, even only getting 30 35% of the starts, he'll he'll surpass the value of that deal. So, yeah, no-brainer. Great move.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, Alex even talked about a lot about just how valuable he is, you know, not just on the field but off the field in preparation. And he called him – I thought this was uh, interesting. You know, he called him a great example for the clubhouse because, you know, a lot of people – a lot of players would have been upset if you brought in a Sean Murphy and now all of a sudden you went from being the starter to, to backup and, and, you know, Travis just pretty much welcomed him. You know, he was one of the first people, Murphy said he was one of the first people to call, uh, to get in touch with him after that trade was made. You know, I just, I thought it was a great deal. And, uh, you know, and, and he said, uh, Alex had also said that, you know, he would let Travis and his agent know back in, back in spring training that they wanted, he wanted to have this conversation at some point this season. And yeah. you know that happened. That happened this week. Took them about a day to get it done, according to Travis. So, you know, it's great. Uh, it's good to see them stay. You know, there was a lot of uh, people concerned when you see guys like Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson walk out. You know, not just because of what they did on the field, but how important they were to that clubhouse and the way the Braves have have managed that is people like Travis Darno, Ozzy Albies. They bring in all these high character guys, and that's how you replace. People that like uh, like Swanson and Freeman. That's not to lessen the impact that those two guys had on this clubhouse, but you know it's kind of a next man up, and the Braves have a lot of people that can uh fill that void. Uh So you know it was good to see. I was I was happy to see see it done. Although you know getting it announced about the time the first pitch was going off was uh, was happening was pretty crazy. Uh, we had to run downstairs to, uh, to listen, uh, talk to Alex ed, in the middle of that game. So, it, and that was the sixteen to thirteen game. So it was pretty wild, a pretty wild situation going on. But uh, it was uh, it was good to see, really good to see that Travis is going to be around for you know at least another season and hopefully two.
1: Yeah, and I think that point about the the clubhouse stuff is is very real because, like you said, with the with the, with Dan's being Freddie leaving you know, who's going to lead that clubhouse is a big question. And it might not be something that fans talk about a lot, but it's definitely something that coaches, GMs, they care about. They care about that stuff. And, you know, if you see, you know, a lot of people were kind of scratched their head when they saw how much money Charlie Morton got. But I guarantee you part of that part of that contract that they gave Charlie Morton was about how important he is in the clubhouse and around all the other pitchers and around the younger guys. And same thing with Travis. And like you said, with Ozzy, and, you know, they – you know, when you lose the kind of guys they lost, that stuff matters. And I think Travis is, you know, especially on the position player side, probably one of the biggest voices in that locker room. He's got a ton of respect. He's a veteran. He's been through it all. He's got a World Series. Um, and, you know, he can he can command a room t- just as well as anybody in that clubhouse just because of what he's been through. So I think that's a great point. I think that's uh, – I, I 100% think that was part of the the reasoning here.
0: All right, we're going to talk about the growing injury list uh, right after this break.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now, more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate
0: It was another eventful week from an injury standpoint for the Atlanta Braves, and they've had two other guys hit the hit the injured list, and and one guy miss uh, miss a couple of games before returning to the lineup. But uh, I think the biggest, most significant one was Colby Allard, who had who began the uh, second half in the rotation. Uh, that start against the White Sox didn't go well. Ended up leaving the game early after he got hit pretty hard. Uh, brace put him on the sixty straight to the sixty day injured list with a uh, I, I believe it's uh, a shoulder and something about something with a nerve issue in that shoulder. Snit actually called it a uh, shoulder strain. You know, I feel bad for Kobe a little bit just because I don't know how much of a factor he was gonna be long term, but you know he missed missed a huge part of the season with the uh, with the oblique injury. and then you know, to have this happen and be honest, going on sixty day at this point of the season. Yeah, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be hard for him to to make it back uh before the end of the season.
1: Yeah, it's not great when you go straight to the 60 day IL. Like you come out of a game, like a lot of times they'll, you know, after the game, they'll be like, "Well, we're, you know, we're going to do some more imaging, we're going to see what's what, we're going to see if, you know, this thing might be less than we think it is, you know. There there's at least some optimism, you know, most of the time, but he went straight to the 60 day IL. So that, (laughs) that is not good. And it's a shoulder, which is also not good because shoulders are tricky and, you know, shoulders kind of been going around really with the Braves this year. There's been a lot of them, but yeah. um, And it's, it, listen, it's costly. Like the Braves, we're going to get into these other guys in a minute, but the Braves are, getting lighter and lighter and lighter in terms of in in terms of starter depth and they're they've kind of gone really deep into the into the cupboard this year to fill these starts you know with the kind of their two big guys out for a big chunk of the year and just seems like every single guy they go after or go down and get you know they either struggle they get hit around a little bit they go to Gwinnett and get hit around they get hurt they just have a. They've had a hard time getting five guys in the rotation for any consistent period of time. Like I, I, I haven't looked this up, but I, I guarantee you, the Braves haven't run the same five guys in the rotation out for more than two or three times in the rotation at any point since Max and Kyle were out. Like it's just been a, it's been a revolving door of those four and five spots. You know, Strider, Morton, and Elder have been there, but like those four and five spots have just been just like a merry-go-round of different guys. And, and yeah, is just kind of another one. And it's just all kind of just wait until Max gets back. But, yeah, it's, it sucks for Colby because he did have some promising starts, and you don't know, you know, if he was hurt during that White Sox start, if that was contributing to it. So, you know, he, he, he'll he get a chance, you know, 60 days is like, you know, beginning of September. So, you know, if, if he can get back, he might he might be able to get back to the big league club, but it's very, it's going to be tough. Like you said, it's especially for pitchers who have to build back up and it takes forever. And you know, that's going to be tough for him. So yeah, that was a tough break.
0: Another guy I felt pretty tough about was uh, Sam Hilliard. who finally uh, got back in the lineup with Eddie Rosario. We'll talk about Eddie in a minute, but uh, Eddie Rosario was out, missed a couple of games. Sam Hilliard got start a couple of games and then jammed his heel uh, running out of ground ball. Uh, There's another guy that went straight to the injured list. Um, You know, they didn't give it a day or two. So, 10 day injured list with him. Snit didn't really know, uh, you know, how severe it was, how long it might take him. You know, we pointed out the heel injury that Dansby had a couple of years ago. They thought it was going to be, you know, a week and a half, and it ended up being a month. Uh, But you got to feel for Hillier because he made his first start since like May 23rd. And got his first at bat since like the end of May. Uh, he'd been pretty much regulated to, you know, the pinch runner in in the extra innings or or something. So, you know, it was tough, tough to see him because he was getting another opportunity. Um, but you know, it went down on the IO. Are you a little surprised that they haven't used Hilliard, uh, any more than they did? Because I mean, he was playing every day when Michael Harris was out. And, you know, I think his versatility and his speed and, you know, just the, the package kind of keeps him on the roster, but at the same time, you know he's pretty clearly fell way down the pecking order when it comes to playing time.
1: I'm definitely surprised they don't use him as a defensive replacement more. I, I, you know, when they put Pilar and Hilliard on the roster, you know everybody knows Eddie's deficiencies and left, and you know he's definitely more of an offensive player and the Braves have had so many leads this year and they really don't implement the defensive replacement at all. They've kind of left Eddie in there for all nine innings. And, you know, Eddie is the best hitter of the bunch. I think everybody knows that, you know, Sam struggles with strikeouts and that's probably an understatement. He, he really, really struggles with strikeouts. He's like a 35, 40% strikeout guy. And, you know, you can't, it's very hard to do anything productive when you're striking out that much. You, you can manage strikeouts, but it's hard to manage strikeouts at that level. Um, so I, I'm not surprised he's lost the offensive opportunities. I'm surprised he doesn't get more defensive opportunities. And honestly, I, I've said this a couple of times. I don't know, you know, the injury might save him because the, the union really doesn't like players who are hurt being released. But, you know, I thought if he was still healthy come trade deadline, I thought there was a decent chance his, his spot would be in danger for, for an upgrade of some sort Um, and maybe it still will. And maybe he'll ride out the season on the IL. I don't know. I don't know how serious this is. And, you know, I don't, I, he doesn't have options. I don't think so. I, that's not a choice. They have to kind of either put him on the major league roster or or cut him. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he actually comes back to the team or if they upgrade that spot. I mean, who knows the injury might, being more of a catalyst to upgrade the spot, I don't know. I don't know how comfortable they are with Forest Wall in that spot, but yeah, it's been a it's been a weird year for Sam. He had that hot start and then basically just got relegated to to pinch running duty. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that spot in the next you know ten days or so.
0: I also mentioned that you know Eddie, Her- Eddie Rosario had the the tough defensive game and ended up leaving that game with the uh, what they called hamstring tightness. He missed two games, but he's back in the lineup. Stent said there never was really any thought about that he was going to need an IL stint or anything. They worked him out. And actually, I think after he missed the first game, he said he was available off the bench. But they didn't want to – they were going to try to give him the two days off if they could. But, you know, it was good to see him back in there too, especially at the time Hilliard went out. Uh, On the pitching side, Max Freed was scheduled to make a rehab start tonight at Gwinnett. That game was delayed as we started uh, recording. I have not checked. Uh, I don't have that going right now, so he may or may not have. I doubt very seriously they're going to run him out there if there's any uh, bad weather. Uh, But the thinking was that he was going to get uh, he was going to try to get stretched out further. I was thinking probably around 60 pitches uh, for this. So, you know, theoretically, you know, he could have come up next week, as soon as next week, maybe in Boston, and throw 80, 85 pitches, or the Braves could opt to give him one more start at, at, at Gwinnett or somewhere else, you know, to kind of try to get fully stretched out. But, uh, you know, it's everything's, everything's looking up with Max Freed. It looks like we're going to get him back here shortly.
1: Yep. It looks like I would say, I don't know. At first I thought he would definitely come up in the Boston series, but the more I've thought about it, the more I think they'll give him one more just because the Braves have such a big lead and there's really no need to rush him. I mean, it it seems like things are crumbling, but it only seems that way. You know, the Braves still have a 10 and a half game lead in the division and um, you know, they've got enough pitching where they could probably survive another time through. And, yeah, I've gone back and forth. I mean, obviously it would be great to have him back that soon, but I, I've I've said it a couple times on this podcast, but I, I think the Braves are going to err on the side of patience and caution when it comes to Max. And if he needs a little more time, give him more time. That's just what the that size of a lead gives you. It's, it's the, you know, that's the luxury of having such a large lead. So I think that's what they'll do, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he, if he can pitch tonight and he looks great and he gets up to 60, 70 pitches, who knows? Maybe they... You know, they tell him to go throw four innings in Boston or something. We'll see. But I, 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 think I'm now in camp. They'll give him one more minor league start before they bring him back up after the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I've kind of went back and forth too. I think the big thing is they got two off days next week. Yeah. Which you know it may it may be one of those situations where it depends on everybody else too. You know how everybody how this weekend goes. You know, a lot of things will you make may go into that decision. Uh, but you know you can. Take the take this the way way it is right now. It looks like we're going to see Max Freed by the end of the month, and uh, you know that's that's a great situation for a team that's twenty nine games over five hundred as we record this to get their best pitcher back. You know for the stretch run, so you know hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy. Kyle Wright, I think he told Mark Bowman uh, that he's getting ready to throw a short box bullpen session soon, which basically what that is is that just gets a guy back on the mound throwing to about, I don't know, 45, 50 feet just to kind of get him acclimated to pitching off the off the mound again, a uh, full bullpen session to follow after that. Then, you know, of course, we'll see live BP and a rehab assignment. Looks like it might be September now just for because of the timing with him if there's no setbacks. But, you know, that's another – That's another quality starter that, you know, potentially they can add if, as long as, you know, you never know with shoulders, you know, hopefully, hopefully this ain't going to be an issue where it flares right back up when he starts, we starts throwing, but, uh, you know, that's another big chip you could get back in September.
1: Yeah. Just having any update on Kyle was, it was nice because it, it seems like we went a long time without anything that, you know, any kind of update, any kind of timeline. So, the fact that he's at least like now starting where you can, you know, he's starting the process where you can kind of see a version where he gets back in, you know, September. Um, And again, that's the big thing is, is can he be around for September, October? I I don't think the team needs him in August, especially if Max is back, but you know, having him back in September, you know, elder is going to need a break at some point. He's, you know, he's pitching at levels he's never pitched at before. These younger guys that are pitching, you know, it's questionable how long you can continue to rely on them. You know, if Kyle is ready, he's going to need kind of a long runway to get ready for, you know, postseason play if that's in what they end up doing. So, yeah, just having any, any sort of update in a positive direction was a good sign. And, you know, hopefully it'll lead to kind of steady progress back. Yeah, and I mean...
0: You know, if he waits to September, the rosters expand, you can add that extra pitcher, you yeah. know, and potentially, you know, you could look at a six-man rotation in September just to get everybody some extra rest, you know, as long as this lead states where it's at, you know, there's not going to be any problem with that. So, uh, there's room for him and, uh, we'll just have to see, we'll just have to see how, how things progress. I always kind of hold my breath, you know, until they're actually on that rehab assignment because you just never know how it's going to go. Jesse Chavez still long tossing Chavez been out almost a month now. Um, Man, uh, you know, but I mean, he was walking on a cane. I know they said there wasn't a break or anything in there, and Snicker he reiterated that the other day. But you know, Jesse, Jesse's uh, he he uh, the way I think the way Snicker put it is like he's still getting pain trying to come off the mound. Uh, but that must have been a heck of a bruise, and uh, when Miguel Cabrera hit him with that line drive. But you know, hopefully, hopefully he's starting to progress a little bit. Dylan Lee really asked him about about Lee because at, at one point. Uh, He and Freed were pretty much on the same schedule, and uh, Lee kind of has fell back. Lee's done some mound work, uh, but he hasn't progressed quite as as quickly. He had the shoulder inflammation, so you know, still no firm timetable for him. You know, he's going to have to do some live BP, and then uh, he won't need a lengthy rehab assignment. But I do wonder, you know, once he is back, if he the Braves will be able to lean on him as much as they did, you know, in that first half. Because I mean, he was he was a key piece of that bullpen down there. And, uh, you know, I just don't know that he'll be able to handle that kind of workload, uh, you know, uh, especially starting out once he once he does come back. And then, you know, still everything with A.J. menner is is the – it wasn't that serious of an injury, but they want to – kind of like the same way they did with Rosel Iglesias, start the season. They don't want this to be something that lingers. They give him the full 15 days, and hopefully, you know, they're hoping that he'll be back ready to – ready to go uh, for the stretch run. So, you know, a lot of bullpen arms, a lot of bullpen question marks. I mean, we're going to talk about the trade deadline here shortly. But, you know, I mean, if they can get some of these guys back, that makes that bullpen picture look a lot better.
1: Yeah, and it's critical, guys. It's not just depth. You know, you talk about Mentor and Lee and Chavez. and You know, those are Nick Anderson, um, who, you know, we, we didn't mention, but he's, he's out until at least September with – they put him on the 60-day, um, kind of like they did with, with Allard. So you're talking about four of your top – I mean, hell, probably five, top five relievers, you know, if Iglesias is in that group as well. But, you know, those next four guys, I mean, they're all on the IL. And with Mitter and Lee, it's, it's your top two lefties. You know, the Braves lost Tyler Matzik um, early – obviously early in the offseason with, uh, with, with an elbow uh, Tommy John surgery. So – um yeah it's it's been it's and you see it right like you watch games and it's a one-run game and here comes Kirby Yates and here comes Joe Jimenez and Colin McHugh and you know none of those guys are having you know I would call great years um some of those guys have been better of late but you know those are guys that were pitching the fifth and sixth inning you know when everybody was healthy and you know those were kind of the the lower guys on the on the rung of the bullpen and now those guys are are your high leverage guys because the Braves literally are are down probably four of their best five relievers so um and that's what I was talking about this at the top of the show about you know if you look at if you look at the roster right now especially the pitching side and especially the bullpen if you just read off the names of who's in there right now like yeah this team is going to struggle to to prevent runs at the moment just because it, they're down to guys that they you know, they had no, they had no plans for some of these guys to be, you know, in the major league bullpen right now. And I, I tweeted this the other day, but the Braves have three guys on their roster that the Braves themselves have DFA'd at some point at some point this season, and they have three of those guys on the roster right now. So, yeah, the bullpen is definitely taking the brunt of the injuries, and it's been critical guys. And you know, hopefully with Minter, it's not going to be too long. Chavez, like you said, has been out for so long. Hopefully, it'll be pretty soon. But yeah, the Braves are going to need and we're going to talk about the trade deadline, but the Braves are going to need some reinforcements in that pen because it's it's gotten it's gotten pretty hairy down there pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the trade deadline, but first let's take a break right here. All right, the trade deadline, we're just a uh you know, a couple of weeks away now. Uh, that's the crazy thing now, with the draft moving to the all-star break and, uh, and you, you get geared up for the second half and you get through all that and then you look up and here's the trade deadline. And, I mean, we're it's here. I expect things to really pick up around the league. A lot of teams still in it. Uh, that's going to create a, a seller's market. There's not that many sellers. Um, so I think the Braves are in an interesting spot. I do think that the bullpen is probably the biggest – uh, need in my opinion. I know some people will still say starter. Uh you know, we'll talk a minute a uh, minute about that, but Alex Alex talked a little bit about the trade deadline the other day. Obviously, he's not going to give you much of anything. Uh but you know, he said, you know, you, you know, you're not going to go out and trade for four or five relievers just because you're expecting to get a lot of these guys back, which I didn't really expect him to say anything else other than that. But I do think a left-handed reliever it's got to be the top of the list, just because, or even if it's a righty that's does well at getting lefty lefty bats out, you know. Because right now Lucas Litke's the only guy in the only left-hander in the bullpen at the moment, and as you mentioned just a minute ago, he was one of the three that's been DFA'd. So uh, with Lee, you know, I think he's his him coming back is a little iffy at this point. There, you know, I think he'll be back, but they're not really. Sh- you know, it's not a, a complete certainty as to when mineral will probably be fine, but I think they could use another lefty. And then it wouldn't, probably wouldn't be the worst thing to grab a, a hard, if you could get a hard throwing righty uh, to go in Nick Anderson's spot. And then hopefully, if you get Anderson back at the end of September, you know, it, it's a good problem to have because you got a lot of guys down there that could, uh, could probably do the job. Uh, but, you know, I mean, what do you, I think, I think you'll agree. Uh, maybe you agree with me, but I think bullpen's the biggest need right now.
1: Yeah. uh, Bullpen is definitely number one. The question, you know, the question is how quickly is, is starting pitching, like moving up the list, right? Like if, you know, with Colby out, you know, so right now you've got Strider, Morton and elder in the rotation that are kind of your constants, right? Soroka is in the rotation and he's going to start, uh, uh, yeah, tomorrow. And so I'm interested to see what he looks like because they, you know, they had him out of the bullpen, the first series and, Um, you know, I think they're still kind of taking it pretty easy with him. I don't know how many innings they want him to pitch this year, honestly. So, you know, that's where, that's kind of where the question is, is, you know, do the Braves think they have enough to get through August and September? Um, you know, are they confident that Kyle's going to come back? You know, how confident are they in Soroka? You know, obviously I think everybody is expecting Max to be back and be, be back to looking like the guy he's, you know, he's always been, but, you know, do you want a little bit of insurance in you know in that department? So that's kind of the only question is I think bullpen without a doubt is the number one need right as we sit here right now. Um, like you said, a lefty and a righty is probably what I would go get. If I if I was Alex, I would say, you know what, I think Mentor's coming back, I think Chavez is coming back. I don't know if Nick Anderson's coming back, and I don't know if Dylan Lee is coming back. And so I'm gonna go get a righty and a lefty to kind of essentially fill those spots. And if they come back, great. We got too many good relievers. We'll make it work. Um, and if they don't, then we've got what we need. So I, I, if I'm Alex, that's the mindset I have right now: is I'm going to go get a righty and a lefty reliever. The question is, how quickly is starting pitching moving up the board in terms of need? And and the only way to you get, can get answer that is if you know internally how they feel about, you know, where Kyle Wright is, and, you know, where Max Freed is, uh, Bryce Elder. You know, is this is this the, is this a bump in the road? Is this more than that? Are they confident that he can still get the job done in August and September? You know, you have such a big lead. That matters, too. Some of your depth has really been hurt in AAA because, you know, Dodd's been on the IL. Schuster's been lit up in Gwinnett. Um, Alan Winnens is pitching on Saturday just because he's basically the only guy in AAA that hasn't been lit up lately. Um, And, you know, they're going to have to make a 40-man move just to get him up. So that's, you know, that's kind of where the depth is right now. They've... On Saturday, they're pitching a guy that's not even on the 40 man roster yet. So that kind of tells you where the depth of the rotation is at the moment. And so that's my question. Does how quickly does the starting pitching need move to where they go get, you know, I don't think they're gonna go at the very top of the market, but you know, do they go get something? Do they go get depth somewhere to to try to, you know, maybe be insurance for August and September? That would be my only question. But I agree as we sit here today. Left one left-handed reliever, one right-handed reliever, and I think those two are a must. I think that's something the Braves absolutely need to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty much operating since opening day with the thought that hey, they'll go get a reliever at the deadline. They always yeah. do. I mean, it seems like Alex always does. He, he does a, has done a really good job in the past of uh, supplementing the bullpen at the trade deadline. You know, the starter I could go either way on it. I don't think it'll be a front line guy. You know, you're not going to go get one of the one of the top guys. Uh, probably because they probably don't have the capital for it. And at the same time, everybody's looking for pitching. So the price is going to be outrageous for it. You know, I mean, nobody will like this and, and I hate making predictions. Uh, but you know, I'm thinking a guy like Drew Smiley is somebody that can go out there and make, make starts, uh, probably give you five innings and then get out, you know, or something if they want to add depth, maybe somebody a little better than that. I don't know. Smiley's not been terrible, uh, uh, since he's been in Chicago the last couple of years. But it looks like the Cubs are going to sell, so that's one reason I mentioned him. Uh, but I think it's going to be a fierce competition for starters. But you are right about the starters' depth. I mean, we're at the point now we've lost Allard. Dylan Dodd's on the IL at, at at Gwinnett. Not real sure what what for, what the reason it is. Jared Schuster's not pitched well at all. Um, they're going to apparently, reportedly, going to go to wine on Saturday, even though that was A.J. smith was uh, was lined up for that start. You Know, I, I don't think that's a referendum on Smith Shaver. I think it's just that you know they need he needs more time and uh in Gwinnett and they don't want to jerk him up and down all the way. So, you know, there ain't there's not a ton of depth there. I mean, and um, we asked uh, Brian Snicker was asked the other night about Soroka out of the bullpen and he didn't come out and just say that the plan was for Soroka to pitch that day, but I'm not 100%. Convinced that the plan wasn't always for him to throw an and or two in relief that day, just because just because of how the schedule um, cut out, you know, because he's not going to make his first start till tomorrow in Milwaukee after the break. But he did say, you know, with Aller going down, they need Soroka to go out and take that rotation spot the rest yeah. of the way, you know. And I, I thought that was that was pretty poignant, you know, coming from him is that it, that we're to the point now where. You know, they need him to go be able to make that start every fifth day. And um or at least for a while till you get Max Max and maybe Kyle back and then you can start worrying about the innings again. But they need him to go out and throw solid innings. Um, so you know, it'll be interesting to see how this rotation goes uh comes around. I mean, I don't think they would turn down. If a starter fell in their lap, you know, I, I think I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him make uh make a move for one. But again, I still think the bullpen is probably the the biggest area that they need to focus on
1: well and even last year right like nobody you know nobody thought jaco to rizzi was going to make starts for the braves in the second half and you know that i think alex is going to go get a guy like that may you know if 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 those if the rotation is to the point where they need where they need something, I think that's the move. I think it's a move like you were talking about, Drew Smiley, Jacobo Rizzi, something like. That. It's not going to be front line. It's going to be an innings eater. just somebody who can get you through the rest of the year. That's I think that's where the Braves are. If you've got Max and Strider and Morton, if you feel like you're going to have those guys for the postseason, then you know you don't really need front line starting pitching to get you know once you get to October, you're 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 pretty set there. And especially if Kyle comes back and can be your fourth guy, then you're really set. Or if Soroka takes that spot and, and runs with it. Or if Elder finds it again. You know, you've got enough options there where you don't need it. But I do think, I agree with you, if they if if that need moves high enough up the board, if they get concerned about Ryder, concerned about Elder, um, then it'll be a guy like that. It'll be an innings eater. A guy that can just five and dive their way through August and September. You know, with this offense, you don't need much. You just need – you just need – starts that aren't disasters right like you you can't have like the last two elder starts where he's out of the game in the second inning and he's given up seven runs like those are the those are the ones you got to avoid because that just wrecks your bullpen you just need five innings you know three earned runs and you will take that you know that's like a four and a half or five and a half era or something like that but like you take that with this offense you take that like if you get five innings you told me Soroka is going to give you five innings and three earned runs every game. Like, I would take that. Even though that's, you know, those the numbers on that wouldn't look good. With this offense, that's all you need. And with this lead, that's all you need. And so I think the Braves will, will probably try to go get something like that where they just know they're going to get five innings. They can kind of book it. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think bullpen is absolutely clearly number one, but the kind of an innings eater guy, veteran guy in the rotation is probably moving up the board pretty quick.
0: Yeah, and I mean the other area I think a lot of people are, are expecting is the bench, and you know my response to that is is they don't use the bench they have. You know, I yeah. mean honestly, I mean we talked about Hilliard earlier. I mean he's basically the you know the does it was the designated pinch runner in extra innings, um, you know, and every now and then if Michael Harris needed a day, he could play center. But Kevin Pilar's played center too, and then Charlie culberson has got one at bat and his two stint, lengthy stints now on the active roster. And, you know, I've bemoaned that last roster spot with these rules. You know, I don't know why they don't just make it 14 pitchers and 12 hitters because yeah. just about every team's got a guy that's just not going to play. And, I mean, that's just it. that's just the way it is. I think you could get away with carrying a third catcher there. But, you know, I don't want to get too much into talking about the postseason roster because, obviously, trade deadline with Alex's track record, we could come back and just tear up the tape on this podcast because everything could go out the window and he could surprise everybody. Yeah. But, you know, just speculating, first Wall, to me, I think they wanted to get him on that 40-man roster. You know, to me, he looks like that speed addition uh, for the division series, a guy that could play everywhere in the outfield, can steal you a base, can, uh, you know, can pinch run and score from first or second, you know, late in the game, kind of the way they did with uh, uh, Terrence Gore before. And then, I mean, still, if Von Grissom's not traded, you know, you can put him on the bench – In the postseason, as a right handed bat, and that's pretty dang good. I mean, you don't, you're not going to want him to go play shortstop or anything, but if you're in a tough spot that you need a right handed pinch hitter, you could do a lot worse than having Vaughn Grissom on your bench, I think, in October. Now, again, we've got to get there uh, with with Grissom still on the roster because I wonder, you know, at the trade deadline, I wonder if, you know, his name's not going to come up a little bit. Haven't seen any rumors on that, but, you know, just looking at the list and kind of where they're at with the infield um, going forward, you know, it makes some sense if if he, you know, ends up being um, expendable a little bit. So we'll have to see how that happens. But, you know, I think they have bench options. Um, but the last thing, you know, before we get to the look at this Milwaukee series – I remember last year we were sitting there in the, was sitting there waiting for Alex to come in at the trade deadline and they came in and got Jesse Chavez and, uh, and took him out. And, you know, just at the deadline, they traded for, uh, Iglesias out of nowhere. I mean, what do you think there is a possibility that they make a splash, that they go and get somebody that we're not even thinking about, you know, if maybe a left fielder, you know, and I, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, you could, I don't think they would do this. I mean, I'd never predict this and this is not a rumor or anything. It's just, just me talking, but you know, you could use Eddie Rosario's salary to balance something out. You know, if you could find a team that was looking to dump, dump salary, I don't even know if that guy's out there. Uh, But just how likely do you think, um, do you think, I mean, this team's world series caliber. Uh, Could you see them pushing chips in or trying to push chips in if, if the option opportunity presented itself?
1: Oh Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, Alex has a reputation. It's been muted a little bit in Atlanta because he's not quite as aggressive as he was in Toronto. But Alex has a reputation of being a, you know, a home run hitter type of GM where he 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 swings for the fences, you know, kind of apropos of the team. He now GMs I mean, he he's known for that. And I it would not shock me at all if there's a name we're not talking about, you know, who's making big money who the team is trying to get off the contract and the Braves realize, you know, it's only going to cost them money. And that's kind of a big deal for the Braves because the Braves don't have a ton of prospects. And we've talked about that a lot. The Braves just aren't prospect rich. And if it comes down to a, you know, a a prospect package, you know, or, you know, a war of, of who's got the best prospect to get a guy, the Braves aren't going to win that because they just don't have that, those level of players in the minors at the moment. And so, you know, using the fact that teams want to get off of contracts, So acquire guys just like they did with Iglesias is a way to get value by just having to spend money instead of having to spend prospect capital. So absolutely, you know, I haven't, I haven't done like a deep dive on guys around the league who could fit that kind of mold that are, you know, available, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, if we, if Alex really feels like he's not getting the value he wants out of the pitching side, we've seen him do, this thing where he'll go improve the offense just because he can't improve the, you know, he wants to improve the bullpen. He can't do it, but he feels like he can, you know, maybe improve, you know, Azuna spot or Hilliard spot or whatever. Like he's done that where, you know, you're not able to get the thing you want. So you go improve another part of the roster just to try to make up for it. Um, I mean, he's a, he's ultra aggressive. He's ultra creative as a GM and we've seen him make, massive changes to a team at the trade deadline. We saw it with the bullpen in 19 um, when we got Melanson and green and Martin, we saw it in 21 when he did it with the outfield and he got Soler and he got Duvall and Rosario and, um, and Jack Peterson. So yeah, I, I absolutely I could see him doing that. It wouldn't shock me at all. Cause this is the, I mean, the Braves are in it. The Braves are as, as in it as you can be right. Like this is as win now as it is for, you know, this team is in their contention window for the next, five, six, seven years, however long all these guys are under contract. And you're just trying to build as many rings as you can build. And, yeah, I I don't think Alex is worried about trading prospects. I don't think he's worried about contracts. You know, I don't know how much money he has. That's always a variable in this stuff. I don't know how much he has to spend. Um, So, but, you know, they sell out that ballpark damn near every night. So I'm get i guaranteeing he's got something to spend. And, yeah, if, if he gets an opportunity to go big, Would not surprise me at all. I I I I'm not saying I expect it, but it certainly wouldn't shock me.
0: Yeah, I mean, he said he did say the other day that he had money to spend, and uh, when they were talking about the uh, stock split, which I don't know, I'm not a financial guy enough that uh, that didn't make our rundown here. Uh, But you know, the Braves are their own entity now uh, as a as a traded stock, and uh, you know, he said trade deadline's coming up. I've got money to spend, and um, you know, that's a credit to cruise park the battery and everything else that goes along with it so um you know i'm not going to predict you know I, obviously people are going to think we're, we're talking about shohei otani i'm not talking about shohei otani um you know man what a story would that be Good job. Uh, but, can, can you but, ima-
1: can you imagine
0: but uh you know at the same time you know i i feel like i'm always negative on this when you know somebody throws a big name out there and you're like no nah, it's not going to happen because that's a safe answer you know and uh, but, I mean, this team, here's, here's the thing. The core's locked up, okay? Uh, this is win-now club. They like their prospects. You know, the industry doesn't like the minor, the minor league system. There's probably guys at the lower level that they do not want to trade. Um, but, again, we're in a World Series window. So, you know, I think it's a different approach than it was in 2019 or, you know, early on in the thing. Obviously, they couldn't do anything in 2020 because of the financial situation. But – you know, I, I keep thinking, I don't want to just completely dismiss it. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but he surprised us before, you know. I mean, it was just like they had that trade deadline last year, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, they traded for a closer, you know, that nobody really even knew was available. And, and took his whole contract on, you know. So they've got money to spend. They could probably add money, you know, with that, uh, that way. And they don't – and that lessens when you take on money, that lessens the the type of prospects you have to give up. Yep. So, you know, again, I'm not gonna predict it, you know, or anything like that. I gave up trying to predict what uh what Alex Anthopoulos is going to do because he just always surprises you every every trade deadline it seems. But, you know, you can't completely dismiss them doing something off the that's off the radar. And uh, you know, and it, it could be bold. Uh because like I said, again, this team's almost super uh World Series are bust because you know, you win – I mean, we saw it last year. You win 101 games, but Max Frey gets sick. Spencer Strider uh, gets hurt, and you run into the hottest team in the playoffs, and you're out. You yeah. know, I mean, this team right here could set a, a franchise record for wins, but if you don't win a World Series, you know, I mean, again, the I mean, playoffs are a crapshoot. We know that, uh, but, you know, I would not be shocked at all. I think he's going to look for ways to improve this roster, and it's already – you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I think it's they're the best team in baseball. Uh, but, I mean, he's going to try his best to improve this roster. So, it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see. Um,
1: I, I do think getting bounced in the first round last year is going to factor into this because, like, he – like, if that happens again, like, this season was a failure. Like, if you make it to the World Series and you lose, then it's it's tough to say that's a failure. But if you get bounced in the first round again – like if you're the best team in baseball, pretty much the whole year, you get bounced in the first round again after having it happen last year, then you know that's a pretty big referendum on the on the front office, especially if you don't really do anything at the deadline with very obvious holes. So I think that matters, and I I do think Alex is going to be ultra aggressive and trying to make sure that the Braves add as much talent. And we need to say that you know because there's no more uh, waiver deadline in August. The team you have it like on August second, that's the team you have. Like you don't have another chance to to trade for players like you used to, so you know you got to make sure you have everything you need, all the insurance you want by that August August first deadline, and because that's the team you got for the rest of the year. So I, I agree. I I think. I think there is going to be a big push, and I would not be surprised at all to see a major acquisition, somebody big, a big name, a big starter. You know, uh, I'm not going to say Otani because that would be bananas, but I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't, because like I think that's where this team is, where it's, it's, it's all in. It's go big or go home time, and getting bounced in the first round, kind of embarrassing fashion, the way they did last year. I think that will matter. I think that's going to factor in a little bit.
0: All right, real quick, let's look at this Milwaukee series. Um, it seems like this has been the case. This is another uh, goes along with what I talked about earlier. But the Brewers uh, have roared back in the Central, are fifty four and forty three as as we record this, two and a half game lead over the Reds. They've won eight of ten, have won two straight. You know, this is going to be a good series. I mean, they're, you know, they're always tough at home. It seems like, sudden seems like the Braves have had some uh, real battles with them up in Milwaukee and they're fighting for a division. Luckily, you're going to miss Corbin Burns, but there's some intriguing uh, pitching matchups in this series. Obviously, everybody's going to be watching. If you're a Braves fan, you're going to be paying attention to Michael Soroka, especially after what Snickers said after the game the other day, you know, about they need him to go take a, you know, solidify uh, one of those rotation spots. That's going to be a big, uh, Big thing. Alan Winans, everybody's been clamoring for him. Uh he's it looks like it's going to be him on Saturday, uh, against Adrian Hauser. He's had a heck of a uh uh season at Gwinnett, so it'd be interesting to see him. And then my favorite Sunday, Bryce Elder versus Julio Turan. Uh Julio's a great story. He's uh but he's kind of come back to earth a little bit and has been the old Julio, the guy that walks two or three guys four guys a, a game and then gives up a couple of home runs uh, of late. And that's a huge start for Bryce elder. Cause like you said, if, if elder gets lit up again, you know, maybe next week when we're doing this podcast, we're thinking, Hey, you know, the, we may have to bump that starter, uh, need up, up the depth chart a little bit. You know, I may feel a little more urgency there if, if elder has another, another rough start. So, um, but, you know, I mean, I want to know, I mean, you're you're a longtime fan. I mean, how excited are you going to be to see Julio Teran Sunday?
1: Well, the funniest thing about that is, that, like, it's it's the old Julio Teran versus the new Julio Tehran, right? Like, Julio's, <laughs> like, famous for, you know, always kind of outperforming his peripherals, and his ERA was always better than his FIP, and, you know, you always kind of wonder how he did it, and, you know, he, his fastball velocity really dropped over the years. He was kind of more 89, 90, 91 by the end. And, and, you know, that's kind of what Bryce Elder is. That's, you know, he, his ERA outperforms his peripherals. He throws 90, 91. He does it with movement and, and trying to keep guys off base and ground balls. And so, yeah, it it is funny that they're, they're facing each other. Uh, The fact that Julio is back in the majors and on a contender and, you know, he got, he got off to a really great start. um, I think his first three or four starts with Milwaukee had like a one or two ERA Of course, his peripherals were much worse than that because that's how Julio's pitched literally his entire career. And in the last few starts, it's kind of, you know, it's caught up with him like it normally does. Um, And that's what's been going on with Elder is, you know, we've we've said it. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said it this year, but, you know, Elder was never a two ERA guy. He was always going to be a three and a half, four ERA guy. And it sucks that it's happened, you know, very, very suddenly in two starts. You know, you would have liked it to be more gradual than this, but – yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I'm I'm curious to see Weinans. I, I don't have a ton of expectations. I know people have been clamoring for this guy because he's had a decent year in Triple A. I looked at his numbers; like, there's nothing like overly special in those. So I, I don't I don't really understand the hype. I, I think this is more a, a move of necessity than it is a guy. I mean, he's tw- like 28. It's not a prospect. Um, he's not a big strikeout guy. He does limit walks, but you know the, he. He's been living off some some fortunate stuff at AAA this year, so I, I don't have large expectations in that game. Uh, the Braves don't typically play well in Milwaukee, so I'm hoping you know with this offense they can kind of. It's a really good hitter's park. It's it's kind of surprising the Braves don't play well there, but I'm hoping the offense can just come on and explode and and give. You know the Braves certainly don't have their best three guys going in terms of pitchers. So uh, Milwaukee misses Morton and Strider, and the Braves miss. Uh, Burns and and uh, Wade Miley so yeah it'll be it'll be a an interesting series to see kind of who's four or five three four or five starters can hold it down and whose offense can get enough runs across but yeah it'll be fun two division leaders um you know on the road and the Braves didn't play very well at home uh so hopefully you know maybe the road will be what they need to get back going
0: well, I think that's going to wrap us up. Uh, unless you have got anything else, I'm, I'm amazed we just went probably close to an hour
1: and didn't even really talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. Um,
0: yeah, which is which is we had a lot going on, a lot to cover this week. But uh,
1: I almost uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I had it written down like right next to my phone that Marcelo Zuna has a 58 WRC plus in July. Like I was gonna say that. I'm not gonna say it, but I was gonna say it. So I I don't want it out there, but I kind of want it out there. Um just in case people need to know that Marcel Ozuna has a fifty-eight WRC plus in July. Um and I, I am curious to see if if maybe one of these surprise trade moves is is maybe a bat. I don't know. I'm not saying it will be. The Braves offense is incredible, but um I, I wouldn't be shocked. I'll just say that.
0: Yeah, it was good to see Ozuna hit a home run to the opposite field, um, against yeah. the Diamondbacks too. So, you know, maybe he can get back going again. Um but I think that's going to wrap us up this week. Uh, obviously, trade deadline's coming up. Stay glued to the site because we're going to have a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll have news as it happens, and um, you know, our, uh, the signing signing deadline. I think a lot of the drama's gone out of the uh, draft pick signing tracker. We've had it up on the site. Uh, so uh, the Braves will probably, and I'm guessing, announce next week their their signing class. So we'll have that up. And uh, like I said, we will we will cover everything as it happens, and we'll see you guys next week.